0: Hey guys, what's going on? Long time, no podcast. Sorry about that. Um, Anyways, guys, so this episode was recorded back in May. So, yep, three months ago, I think. I'm not very good at math and head sometimes, guys. Um, So, yeah, so sorry about uh, the delay. Hope you guys don't mind. I have a couple other episodes I'm sitting on that should be getting out soon. I don't want to make promises because I've been... um. I've been really breaking promises quite a bit recently to you all, so I'm sorry. Um, but great news, uh, the farm is going well, I'm paying my bills with the farm, so well, that's a good thing, really up the scale of microgreens and doing a bit of aggregating now, just just getting uh, farming from other friends, that farm, getting farming, getting farming from other friends, getting produce from other friends and selling it. Um, so yeah, guys, so that's coming along. So me and rich are plugging away. Um, and, uh, just want to be, have a big shout out to rich fratzel. So, so about the failing forwards, guys, it's just, uh, things had to kind of be put on the back burner when things hit real, get real. So hopefully we'll do some episodes, um, when the season kind of slows down and I can have that. Um, but, uh, let me know. I mean, I think you guys just like listening. So, but this, uh, this episode is with Nick Steck Schulte. I say his name wrong for most of the podcast and then we say it right. So at the very end, um, again, so this is in May. So, uh, lots of things have changed since May. Um, it's always interesting when I go back and listen to these episodes because it's like I'm listening to a different person because obviously I have three months worth of experience more in life than what I had back then. And, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot has changed, so, um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. And then, uh, yeah, if you guys, uh, so, oh, affiliates, go to newfarmsupply.com. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, newfarmsupply.com is back. Um, so, and basically it's nursery inventory for 2018 it's live. Keeping a limited selection at great pricing. Code word sample is 10% off the entire order. And yeah, so check out newfarmsupply.com. And while you're at there, go to versaland.tv and check out Grant Schultz's new pawpaw course. It's still out there. Um, definitely worth checking out. And uh, learn about pawpaws. Uh, Nature's Image Farm.com is also an affiliate, but there's nothing for sale yet. But Greg appreciates the shout out. So, shout out to Greg Burns. Uh, and man, there's probably more affiliates. Oh, go to audibletrial.com forward slash sample hours. So, I'm actually read, reading Get a Job, Build a real, real Career, Defy a Bewildering Economy by Charles C. Smith. And I was like, so that's where I first heard a lot of these ideas that I have. It's pretty interesting when you like read something and. Then you go back and you you start kind of applying things you read that you've read in a book into your life. And you see these great changes in your life and you're like, oh, this is great. So uh, big shout out to Charles C. Smith. Hopefully he'll get on the show here soon. We've both been pretty busy, guys. It's been a busy season, a busy summer. Um, so, yeah. If you guys... Oh, finally, last but not least, ProfitableUrbanFarming.com. Uh, if you guys click on the link in the show notes, you can save a hundred dollars off the course, or you can sign up for the payment plan. That's what I did. And you can check out all how Curtis stone, what he does to make money. And honestly, I've largely implemented that system. Um, Rich and I have changed a few things just cause we're in a much smaller plot. So it's a big reason why we're, we're focusing on microgreens. Um, and you know, the course is a great guide. I mean, it's a huge starting place. It, it, I mean, whenever you get anything, guys, you're gonna have to do a lot of uh, troubleshooting on your own. Obviously, everybody's climate's different. So, how much seed you use, uh, different things like that. What kind of soil you have, for what kind of amendments, um, but all that jazz. And uh, yeah, so and then if you just want to contribute to the podcast, become a patron. So I've been the worst Patreon person. So I have patrons and I appreciate you guys supporting the show and I bet most of you guys are supporting the show and even the the free content I give you is great. The bonus content. Um, uh, but I haven't put anything out in a while. Um, so I'm sorry. Uh, but, uh, I will in the winter time. I mean, it, there's one thing. So recently Greg Burns and I just had a conversation about, we were going to planning on putting bees here, and there's like all these things I plan, So there's a lot of things. And this is kind of what I, I want to to talk about before we get into the podcast with Nick. So we the beginning of the season, I had like all these great ideals. So I'm this big dreamer. I'm always in my head. I'm always thinking about what would be cool to do and always trying to plan my life and create my life the way I want it to be. And it's great. But a lot of times you just want to do too much. And I think, you know, I thought, man, it's even interesting. Like I thought I'd be way further ahead than what I was now. And I'm actually doing pretty well. Like I'm actually looking back and I'm pretty proud of myself. Um, so it, it, like, I don't, there's a lot of times people have this expectation for themselves. And if they're not there, they beat themselves up and all that. That's, it's really not me. Like I'm, I'm really not that I have a high goal and a low goal. And as long as I'm somewhere in between, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Uh, I don't, I'm not someone that like gets caught up and it's life is too short to beat yourself up over stupid shit. And I think, you know, when you look at Buddhism or Stoicism, which I really don't I don't sorry, Scott, I don't really listen to this, stoic metal. I don't listen to really any podcast, but the whole life is suffering thing doesn't mean you should want to make yourself suffer. Like life is suffering, so that's I mean it's it's that, that whole notion is just to kind of help you deal with life. This is what I always got out of Buddhism. I read a lot of books about it. And so, I don't, like, look, life is, so, like, yeah, you're going to go through pain. There's going to be displeasure. There's going to be a lot of things. But at the same time, we're living in the greatest time ever um, in recorded history. Like, yeah, there's some fucked up things. There always is. But not being plugged into the news this summer has been amazing. If you guys ever interested, I'll tell you about all the news that's going on my street or all the drama with neighbors or stuff. And it's just kind of funny. I mean, you know, so I just having like kind of an attitude of gratitude, which is nice and cheesy, but I, I think that's like what I've, what I've just been trying to stay in. I mean, I, I feel pretty ble- blessed to have so many friends that I've met from the show. I've had so many visitors, like a lot of podcasts that are coming out or people that have come to visit me. And then we recorded on my porch um, and just talked. And, and so, podcast is probably going to be changing a little bit. I, I don't, I'm, I'm looking to go more in the direction of less interviews. Like I'll I'll definitely still have like close friends on, but I'm probably going to focus more on doing more in person stuff. I think that's just, uh, because I, I think I was, I was kind of thinking like, okay, so for a while when I was working a job, I was interviewing a lot of people who I wanted to learn from and I I still plan on doing that, but it's, uh, you know, I wanted to learn from them. So I'd get them on the show and pick their brain. Um, and then, you know, then it it just came to, oh, this farmer's doing this, this farmer's doing that. But it's like, you know, I, I'm living this lifestyle. Like I'm doing this full time now. So there's definitely still people I want to talk to and we can trade in. So I'm not saying it's going to be totally different, but I'm, I go through phases with the podcast as many listeners know that it's like I start going in one direction and then I kind of start to get bored and then I have to do something new I have to do something creative because I think if if I'm getting bored you guys are going to be getting bored um so like you know in the winter time I interviewed a lot of authors because I was reading a lot of books so I want to pick their brains about their books and just kind of engage them and it's just fun and something new so expect some different stuff I mean I, I would like you know if if people want to come and tell their story like i i definitely need to get up and uh me and travis Shul- oh, man travis i don't know how to say your name i think it's shoulder but he was just on permaculture voices had a great episode uh i've been wanting to go up there and, and talk to him and record so I, I you know i that's like you know it was something i was talking about with sean like that's you know when i had sean brown on was that's what i like to do like i like to go see people what what they're working on and actually see it in person and experience it in person and then talk to them about it so might be shifting gears still going to be doing failing forward with uh with Greg and bees I think it's really interesting I'm not going to be getting bees so that was kind of the thing we're not going to be doing bees this year so and, it, and it, it's kind of like a mixed blessing so I mean another thing that happened this season is I took on a I was going to take on an extra plot of land and then it just wasn't really working out like you know, I bit off more than I could chew. Um, and it's, it's just easy to do. It's easy to do in this field. It's easy to do when you want to, you know, live, live your life on your own terms and with your own purpose. So I don't know where any of this stuff really came from, but, uh, I am happy to share it with y'all and I'm happy that you guys listen and I'm forever grateful. So with that being said, um, thank you guys so much for listening. And, and, you know, I apologize for not getting more episodes out more frequently. Um, but you know, I, 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 if it wasn't for you guys that listen and if it wasn't for this podcast, I don't, I don't think I would be enjoying my life as much as I am. And I wouldn't have the friends that I've made from this podcast. So I, uh, I feel grateful to everybody that listens and shares the show and uh, looking forward to meeting many more of you if, I, if we haven't met yet and sharing, having a conversation and, uh, and fellowshipping and having a great time. So with that being said, guys, enjoy this show. Afraid somebody's going to report you for cussing on the sample hour.
1: No, I'm just afraid <coughs> that I'll say something really <laughs> stupid and then I'll be out on the uh, interwebs. And, Who cares?
0: Uh, Who cares? You'll I learn care. from it. You'll no, learn. You'll I never care. make that mistake again. Right, that's true. That's true. Somebody. Yeah. Weren't you, s- you just giving that sage wisdom that. before? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Take your own advice, buddy.
0: So what? Do you, do you guys think we should make this like a regular sample hour? Or do you think we should make this a feeling forward? <sighs> I don't know. Do you want to record another podcast tomorrow, Rich?
1: I, I don't think it should really be a failing forward just because we got a guest here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we might. Why, why Way to out? ruin it, Nick. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can't believe no, it? I'm just it. teasing, man. So uh, we just had Taco Tuesday and we're here. And I next day, Schulte is, has been a part of the crew. And actually, I met both these gentlemen the same weekend in Permaculture Voices. A year and two months ago. Yeah, PV3. PV3. Yep. And Rich lives here now, and you said, hey, let's welcome Rich. Right. So you came down and said, let's do a a taco Tuesday, and it was only a week out, so we were the only three GSDers that went. But we had some delicious tacos from local Cantina, which is a great Columbus taco joint.
2: I highly recommend them. They were awesome.
0: That's pretty good, man. Were you pleased, Rich? I enjoyed it. Rich, what is your overall opinion of the food so far here in the Midwest versus the East Coast?
1: I'm impressed. Um, got a lot of little, like niche restaurants, breweries, some great barbecue. Um, I, so much better than where I'm from.
0: It's different, man. I, I remember there's just a lot of more local spots. Like there's little, little, there's like one-offs here that you don't find. We're not, I mean, there's certain parts of Ohio where it's definitely franchise land. Like, if you go to Zanesville, where like Greg and Sean Brown live, like, you go downtown Zanesville, it's all, it's, I mean, you'll see franchises that you didn't even know were still open, like Racks. <laughs> they have a Racks still in Zanesville. You guys remember Racks? I don't know what that is.
2: You remember Racks? Oh, yeah. Racks was everywhere. It was, when I was like a kid. Yeah.
0: yeah, it was like an Arby's yep. in a sense. Huh. Um, but now there's, I think there's like two left, and they're both in Zanesville.
2: I, I was thinking there was one in Circleville, but I might, might be thinking about an Arby's. I don't
0: know. <laughs> you might be thinking about <laughs> Might Zanesville. be thinking about the Arby's down there. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, next day, Schulte is another Ohio GSD guy. He is the infamous beehive box builder. He lives in Frazeeburg. He's shaking his head no. Yeah. He gets shit done modestly. I'm also joined here by my new roommate, which we're going to be... Actually, the, the Family Forward will already be out before this comes out. So, Because I actually have to put a podcast out today that I haven't done yet. But uh, Rich just moved here from Connecticut. He's the new member of the Ohio GSD crew. Um, and I said, hey, guys, we should do a podcast. And now everyone's getting quiet. So,
1: Well, because you're talking. Yeah, it's true. People
0: you, are being respectful. <laughs>
1: You get on these rolls. Uh,
2: I just I thought it was appropriate to welcome Rich to Ohio officially. So welcome, and you, uh, he comes with a uh, a well developed beard, so he's in good company. He fits in really well.
1: I, I have to mention how because uh, cause Nick and I actually met out at PV2. Yep. And I don't know if you remember, but the way I met Nick was you were driving a crew of bearded guys, <laughs> and. Um, I needed to get to a TSP meetup, and I, I was trying to figure out how to get a ride, and I look over, and I see this carload of just beards, and it, <laughs> was, uh, it was Nick, it was Greg Burns, it was uh, Rob Kaiser, it was, uh, gosh, I don't want to miss anyone, Mike Cornwell, I think, was sitting Indian style in the back, um, and, and I, I remember I said, hey, are you guys by chance going over to the, the meetup, and was you were like,
0: there, too? Was Harbalt in the crew?
1: Yes, I think he, he might we, have we, been.
2: He was there. I don't know if he drove down with us or not. He might he might have been. Yeah, I don't
1: But the the question was, how did you guess we're going to the TSP meetup? And I'm looking <laughs> at just all of Come these on. beards, and I'm like, really? Where
2: else would you be going? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember back in the day when we used to do the Death Squad comedy shows, and any time you saw a guy with a cool, silly T-shirt and a big-ass beard and usually a nice pair of sneakers... And it's like, oh, he's he's part of the crew. Like, that's, I'm like, here you hear for the Death Squad show. You could just tell. It's like, yeah. I feel like I've been a part of these communities where men with beards are always a part of it. But I've been slowly trying to get into a community where it's not just a single, a bunch of white guys that don't get laid. Because <laughs> I feel like I've been a lot, I've been in a lot of those communities. I felt like when I was in the Death Squad scene, that's what it was.
2: Well, Anyways, I don't know. So I we may trying be trying setting be you back here tonight, so I don't Yeah, know. <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah. It's like, well, I don't know. We all just went out to eat together as a group of men, and uh, we were having we were having our bromance tonight. Yeah, nothing like uh, that. We got a new member of the household. We got Jack the dog, and man, he's really being friendly with Nick. Now that he's ignoring him talking in a microphone. This is pretty fun. I, I'm not allowed it? to pet Jack. Yeah, we have to ignore Jack.
1: Well, from time to time, Jack, when he doesn't know you, he doesn't quite trust you. So I can't yell at him uh, on the podcast. So, yeah, we we better
0: ignore him. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to have Nick Stachialty on and I want to have Rich on. Like Rich is it's been fun ha- living with Rich. And we're going to we're going to go into that more so in our episode but Nick day Schulte has been a farmer ex or farmsteader for the last three years ish. Yeah. Yeah. You have yep. a, you have a good job. And then recently he kind of just came to the conclusion that it's like, I think I just need to scale back and focus on having fun on my land. So uh, let's like, let's take us down the rabbit hole. So what made you want to get into, cause you own property and, and, Middle Tennessee. You own <laughs> property, it. middle Tennessee. What apple tree Eliza would be good, middle Tennessee. Um, it's an inside joke from the Eliza uh grafting workshop, but you own property there, you still live up here. Um you got some plans, you have opportunity and it's just you're kinda navigating to try to figure out what's next. But so what let's go back to the starting point and how did you get involved in small scale agriculture?
2: Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's, uh, I don't know how long we have here, but that could go we on for a while. We have as long as you but, want, buddy. Uh,
0: You're man, the one I, that has to drive home tonight. Me and Rich live here.
2: Yeah. So I guess it goes back to, like, um, I used to be, like, hardcore right-wing guy um, in in high school and college. And I don't know what it was. Sometime around, I don't know. Do you guys remember the Ron Paul um 2000 convention when yeah. Rudy Giuliani was, uh, going on about, um, giving him a uh, hard time about talking about blowback. And, and, uh, so it was that convention. Um, I was like just listening to him and I was like, man, this guy's making a lot of sense. So he, I, you know, I kind of credit him for pulling me into the Liberty movement. And it was kind of a rabbit hole that opened up then. So I got really involved in looking at um, political philosophy and um, Austrian economics and and things like that. Um, Went on that kind of rabbit hole for a few years and got into the uh, survivalist slash prepper thing. Um, One thing kind of leads to another naturally. And um, I, I did all the stupid things that newbies do bought all this canned food you know did you buy a bunch of rice i did i had 50 pound bags of rice um 50 pound bags of flour sugar all kinds of stuff so i I just went down that rabbit hole um i don't mean to interrupt you but i'm laughing because i love because you're that guy
1: gallon buckets with gamma lids full of rice yeah
2: see you know (laughs) you know (laughs) and there's nothing wrong with that that has its place but at some point um something just kind of clicked and um i was like well why store all this stuff? Why don't I just learn how to grow it? Um, and I grew up um, in northwest Ohio, a rural area. My grandpa was a um, a farmer his whole life. Um, and we lived right through the field, but my dad had a, uh, he was a laborer, so he had an off-farm off, off farm job. So we weren't real tied into the farm, so it kind of skipped a generation, but I still kind of feel like it's in my roots, and I kind of felt pulling me back a little bit. So, I kind of then I dove in from the, the survivalist prepper movement and I kind of got really interested in learning how to grow my own food. So, um, found out about permaculture. I went on uh, permies.com. Yeah, so,
0: so, what year though? So, uh, the Ron Paul revolution takes place. It's like 2007, 2008. Yeah. I'm not sure when that I, blowback, I think, was 2008. Um, so, you become a prepper yeah and around what year do you make this decision like okay i could you know i could i could learn just how to grow food that'd be a lot easier than storing all this shit and hoping it doesn't go bad
2: yeah i want to say that was as recent as like 2012 probably um
0: so you're prepping for four years
2: yeah yep yeah and uh (laughs) we were talking about our affinity for firearms before and um I got into that as well. That's part of the prepping thing too. When you're new, that's the fun part of it. Um, boys with their toys, you know? So I got into that, dove in deep for a while, but around 2012, um, I kind of, um, yeah, I just, I saw the, the need to actually grow and to, to be, um, to thrive, um, even if something doesn't go wrong, um, you know, just to live, live a, a good daily life. Um, so why not integrate those things that you're doing into your daily life? So like 2012, 2013, and I, and I just I came across uh, permies.com, Paul Wheaton site, and um, really dove into that. And um, a lot of it made sense with sustainable um, type of agriculture. Um,
0: so you came into sustainable ag and small-scale farming via Paul Wheaton? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did too. So props to the Duke. Yeah, I kind of did. I came into permaculture via the Duke. And I had uh, I was actually on Marjorie I was on Marjorie Wildcraft's site. Like so, when I first sat down with Joel, it was a little over two years ago. My buddy Randy, um, it was like me, Randy, my buddy Jason, and I. We sat down with Joel, and Joel's telling us all the ways people are making money in small scale ag. He's talking about you know some people do compost, some people do this, some people do that, like some and like all these different hustles that people kind of find their their niche in on how they can make money. And so we were all kind of excited about it. And Randy sent me this thing. It was like this series of talks with Marjorie Wildcraft that I paid money to have, and I was supposed to have access to it uh, for forever. But I don't think her web person was that good. So it was like, whatever. And then so I went into this... Um, I started getting emails and like, I listened to her talk to, to Joel Salatin. It was something about with children and kids. And cause I knew who Joel Salatin was from food Inc in 2008. And, uh, and it was like, I I didn't read books. Uh, well, I I wasn't reading books about this back then. So Michael Pollan, I think he'd written his book in like what? 2003, 2004 for the omnivores dilemma. Do you know? I don't,
2: I don't know if it's that long ago. I, I, uh, I just read, read it fairly recently, so I, I don't it, know.
0: I read it fairly recently too, but I knew about it. Yeah. I remember people talking about it. And um so I know I saw Food Inc. in two thousand eight and I had this idea in my head, and then I watched like Food Matters and all these other documentaries. I knew there was something with food, but I wasn't kind of ready to take the next step. And then uh so anyway, so I got this email on Marjorie Wildcraft's thing about permaculture in this great new documentary called inhabit about how you could get involved in permaculture and then like i watched the documentary and i kind of got bit by the bug and i thought everything was so cool in there and i because i didn't really understand a lot of stuff like i'm not saying it's a bad documentary it's super well done that's how i got introduced like eric tonesmeyer and steve whitman and uh who else did i have on the show from there or like mark shepherd um i had a couple other people from inhabit on there but then so I st- I started looking in this thing called permaculture, and then I found um, Paul. She had like a partnership with Paul Wheaton, and then I bought like his uh, Hooga Culture series or something like that, and I actually really? have the digital movie still, and that's how I got in it. And then I I started listening to his podcast, and then I had him on the podcast, and then and eventually I met all you guys, like, and this was before PV3. So I think Paul Wheaton like people people have issues with paul because he is very opinionated and he kind of like discussed this on his recent permaculture voices but like paul like is a gateway drug to permaculture (laughs) and that's all he wants to be like he wants to get you excited and as long as you're still doing something in that realm he's happy like and it's and, and i and i i think people don't necessarily give him the credit that's due like he's I mean, he's the bad boy of permaculture, you know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. anyway, sorry for going off on that tangent. It's probably uh, the great scotch from Jeremy Hill that's uh, coming (laughs) through. But, anyways.
2: Yeah, so I don't know. uh, What do you have to add, Rich? Well,
1: no, I was just thinking my foray into permaculture probably began, had to be, well, the genesis was at least nine years ago uh, when I started acting as a full-time caregiver for my dad and i had i had just had a business fail i was uh doing some real estate title work and 2008 hit and you know we just expected that that kind of work was just going to keep coming and when the market collapsed um the work went away and so i had to downsize my dad needed someone to take care of him so i moved in and I was 370 pounds. I um, I had uh, fatty liver disease. I could barely walk. Uh, my knees were just killing me. And uh, I, I decided I had to take a real look at my at my health. You know, when the doctor starts talking about wanting a biopsy your liver, um, you know, you you think it's time to change things. Yeah. And I had, had forays into different diets. I had been on Atkins for a while, and it, it, it worked. Um, but, you know, I hadn't changed. I think you, you coined the phrase, or other people have too, but changed my relationship with food. Yeah. And I realized that these diets weren't going to be the answer. I had to find a different way to eat and live. And I, I started cutting out fast foods, and I got healthier almost immediately and um, cutting out sugar, or any sugary drinks, and I got even healthier and started just losing weight. And then I realized, well, geez, I'm taking anywhere from probably 15 to 20 Advil a day just to get through my day. You know, the military got me started on those. They they used to uh, prescribe 800 milligram Motrin like it was candy. And um, I was taking a lot of Tylenol on top of it, which isn't good for the liver. And so I I got into herbalism uh, so I could cut that kind of things out of my life. So I just kept going down that road of healthier and healthier. And I soon realized I couldn't afford a lot of the healthy food that I wanted to eat. So I looked at my yard and I said, well, I'm kind of stuck here in a small yard with my dad, but the yard is a, a resource. I can grow food we grew tomatoes as, you know, as a kid, I remember growing them. So I'm like, how hard can it be? The
0: garden item? Everybody fucking grows. That's
2: right. That's right. You don't
0: have tomatoes. Why don't you have tomatoes? Because everyone fucking grows tomatoes, man.
2: Everybody loves tomatoes,
0: though. Ah, dude. It's so annoying. Anyways, keep going, Rich.
1: Yeah. So so I'm like, how hard can it be? I'm going to start a garden and that's going to help me eat healthier. And I tried peppers. I tried tomatoes. I tried eggplants. And you have a little success early on, but I'm I'm pouring the Miracle Grow on, and I'm, you know, the 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 powder for the bugs, cause the stuff's getting eaten up with bugs.
2: And then I'm thinking, what was that diatomaceous earth that you're? No, it wasn't no. that. Ah, no, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> it was most definitely good old not. de.
1: So yeah, I'm I'm and I'm thinking, well, wait, I'm eating this stuff that I'm pouring on these, and I know it says it's safe, but you know, in the past, a lot of things were safe until they're not. Uh, so I started looking at it and YouTube was a thing now. And so I, I went online and I found, uh, growing your greens with John Kohler. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he had a front yard completely turned into raised beds and, and I really liked that style. It, it, it was just easy cause I was still a big guy and I didn't yeah. want to bend over. <laughs> so if I built raised beds, that was, you know, less bending over my fat ass had to do. And, uh, one day, one of his shows, and now he's done several, one of his podcasts or, or videos, whatever it is, YouTube video, sorry, John, Is um, was he visited a permaculture site out in Oregon, I believe it was. And he's walking around this property, and it's everything you would expect from a, a, a property that had a, a full-blown permaculture design. You know, it had just berries all along the fence line. It, it there was just food growing everywhere you looked and if it wasn't food, it was a medicinal. And every vertical space was used. There were wood chips everywhere. They had, they had created soil by bringing in wood chips and inoculating it with uh, King Strepharia. And it had turned into this black soil that grew the largest Swiss chard I have, I have ever seen. He held it up and it was like, hover, covered his body. And I said, okay, I have to learn about permaculture. So the first thing I did was Google permaculture, and what comes up but a bunch of people wrestling in the mud.
2: You know, I think, Uh
0: (laughs) I don't know if we've all seen that video. I haven't seen that video. Have you seen that video, Nick?
2: Just mud people in general, yes. Yeah, But
1: um, I'm a very technical kind of person. I like to go back to the roots. So I, I researched it. I said, well, let me find out what this is. And I came up with Bill Mollison and found a couple of his old videos and started watching and reading his writings. And what I, I realized very early on was that permaculture was a, a method of, of revolt against, uh, I don't know, the world, the, 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 the corporate world that's the, using up our planet. And uh, I, I liked what he had to say, and I realized he had a sound. His system was real. It worked. And so I just, started, I just started following it up. I read and watched everything I could on, on Bill Mollison. That led me to, to Jeff Lawton. That led me to Paul Wheaton. That led me to Eric Tonsmeyer. That led me to Skeeter Polarski. That led me to... Uh,
0: Captain Jack Spirico. Rob
1: Avis. I, I actually found Jack Spirico pretty late, believe it or not. I did too. Yeah, a couple of years into it. But it resonated with me because I had been prepping... And um, I had also realized that wasn't something that was really going to work long term, that the ultimate goal had to be growing your own food and, and also that we needed neighbors, that we needed other people because we weren't going to p- be able to produce everything ourselves. For sure. So, the, you know, that's, that's kind of the path I took. Um, I found Permaculture Voices and I said, you, you know, PV1 had already happened. And I said, Okay, I've got to make this happen. I need to be out here. You know, these are the people that I need to talk to and learn from. And so for, for the for the past four years, um, at least, I have been just fully in a permaculture, I consider myself a permaculturist, I follow the ethics, as close as I get to a religion. Um,
0: You're a permaculture fundamentalist.
1: I don't know that you would say, may, maybe, see, I don't like the term fundamentalism, right? Yeah. I, I guess fundamentalism is it's only an issue. It's fun right in it, man. What do you think well, it's <laughs> fun? It, it, it depends on how good the fundamentals of whatever your fundamentalist are, uh, are, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess permaculture is a pretty good thing to be a fundamentalist about. But that's one thing with the, what we call them, the purple permaculturists. You know, that's, that's, not, that's gotten away from the roots. And if they want to do that, I support it. But you're getting away from the science. You're, you're getting away from truly understanding what permaculture is. It's about design. It's about using the energies that you're blessed with on your site, whether it's wind, whether it's water, whether it's sunlight, using it to the greatest advantage and um, keeping entropy to an absolute minimum. You know, keep things working on your land, and I, I I've always been kind of an anal guy. I like systems design, and
0: he's not talking about sex either, guys.
1: So it, it just meshed with me. Well, I I liked being able to design uh, design a property
0: out. <laughs> sorry, I have to <laughs> I have to say that, man. Really? I just as soon as I said that, I thought about Greg's kids who and I'm like, yeah, sorry, Greg and Susan. I just I just took it there.
1: Yeah, now they're going. What's anal?
0: <laughs> so, um, well, that's super cool, man. I think uh, you are the reason, I believe, too, as to why Comfrey is here by so many people in Ohio, right? Did you get Rob? Well, and-
1: I don't know that I could say that. I, I gave uh, Greg already was growing, and I did give him some. I gave him a lot of True Comfrey. That's that's one of my favorite plants, and I don't know that it's. I think he's got it growing there, but. I'm not sure it's been doing as well as his Bocking varieties. Um, He might have gotten four from me, but I think he had both. I think he had both Bocking varieties before me, but I did give him some.
0: What other plants did you you bring to Ohio?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, Well, there's ground cherries here probably forever now because Uh, of
0: me. We actually, me and Joel were really into ground cherries, so we grew them from, like, Joel planted them out from seed in Uh, his community garden and uh they're in the same family as the tomatillo and
1: you mean the tomatillo
0: whatever you want to <laughs> call it i call it a Tomatillo. <laughs> so uh so it, like because we we loved them we thought they were so good and actually there were some people that had been in that neighborhood for a while and they grew up with the ground cherries too and it's it's just so good it was so fun uh the one guy he's another guy that fell off but our, our buddy adam when we were all, we'd be harvesting in the morning and we would be selling ground cherries and, um, his daughter loved them. Like his daughter thought they were so delicious and it was, it was fun to watch her get excited about them. But the next year we were there and we just started out the landscape fabric method, you know, like you lay out the landscape fabric and then you plant in there and those ground cherries, he had ended up tilling in and, uh, they were just busting through and knocking lettuce out of the way, like growing up quickly and then uh, he retilled everything in, too, when the city took the land back because the lady who bought it was like, I'm going to turn it into a dog park. And we thought it'd be fun for her to always have to deal with ground cherries because they're never going <laughs> to go away once you till them in.
1: It's an amazing plant, though. It really is. And it's delicious. A buddy of mine back in Connecticut makes uh, a jam. A yeah, ground
2: cherry jam. It's you can it's, make a hot sauce from it too. You can oh,
0: use yeah. it. You can use it forever. Have you had ground cherries, Nick?
2: Yeah, it's a big thing in the Amish community or around where I live. They they do the jams and the jellies, and yeah,
1: yep. I just need to design some kind of hammock that catches them and rolls them into a trough where I can easily cl- collect them. Because man, you miss so many of them throughout the season.
0: Yeah, I'm really hoping like uh, Joel said he's going to do ground cherries again, but I'm just hoping he does it away from all the beds. That he has on the property because it's just gonna it's just gonna take them over
1: it's easy enough to pull them out when they're young though yeah you know if, if you if you're managing a, a small plot it's not a big deal on a large scale it could be a real hassle
0: yeah for sure um so yeah so nick so rich had his little permaculture homestead he just recently moved here he's gonna try to do some Permaculture stuff here, you can already tell in this room. He's looking around my house. He's like, you know, man, you're using these incandescent lights. It's like a... You're pretty much running a 1,000 watt grow operation in between the living room and the kitchen. Like That's 65 watts each, so that's a lot of electric. And I was like, god damn it, he's he's right. So, uh, we switched to LEDs. Um, Rich even... It's like these little these little system like Rich is such a systems thinker. He's helping me like get a lot of things, even we even change the toilet seat. And it's actually been a huge improvement for when I have to use the restroom. I must say I was very excited about it. (laughs) It's like these little things are really adding up. So but, you know, let's focus on you again, Nick, because I know you have a lot of livestock and you gained a lot of stuff.
2: Yeah, so kind of Rich is the green thumb guy. Um, I'm actually not at all right at this point yet. Um, That's where I I think I want to learn the most yet is is actually growing green things. (laughs) Um, But I kind of went down the livestock route. Um, And basically in my property, uh, I'm renting a place in Ohio here in in, uh, East Central Ohio. And the idea was uh, it's six acres, and I just... I wanted to set it up basically as a uh, my own little university, really experience, just to learn how to to raise and and uh, be a husband of a- animals. Um, I did a little bit of that. Uh, I was in four H as a kid, and I took market lambs a couple years. So I did a little bit of that. Had a little bit of exposure, and um, I just wanted to kind of grow those um, skills. So uh, we got some hogs and. Um, Uh, lambs and various poultry and uh, been doing that for about three years now so um, how
0: many hogs do you have because when you say some
2: we have about 40 right now
0: that's a lot for part-time
2: it is it is a lot and um, so what I've come to the realization that you kind of referenced earlier um, originally I thought I was going to get into this as as a a, a market farmer direct-to-consumer type of deal um i kind of had plans to do that with with uh, p- with poultry and with swine um but i've got a pretty good uh steady full-time job as well um in sales in the building industry and um things change and you know different priorities and whatever but what i'm coming to realize is um i kind of want i think i I want to continue to do the homestead thing but i've just got too much Spreading me too thin every which way, so I'm backing down kind of a little bit on the on the livestock well, let's, project. Let's go
0: over because you really yeah. you really bypassed all your livestock because you have quite a bit of livestock for somebody that does this part time. So you have 40 <laughs> hogs. How many lambs?
2: Uh, I got 19 of them right now. Okay. Which I mean, five of those are young lambs, so uh, 14 stock okay. ewes and a couple of rams.
0: And then birds. So you, you you didn't even mention your ducks. Yes,
2: yeah, so I got, f- well, poultry. So 55 ducks right now. They're layers. Yeah. Um, I did run some uh, giant pecans. Uh, not last summer, the summer before. Ran about 50 of those for meat. And um, I really enjoyed those. That same year, I did 200 chickens as well, broilers. Um, and I had a miserable experience. I didn't... Didn't enjoy that at all. Um,
0: and you're also quite a, a good smoker. So for anybody who who enjoys.
2: You should probably clarify what Yeah, I'm going okay. to clarify that. So
0: <laughs> anybody that knows Michael Jordan when he talks about the guy that cooked all the delicious food at Hogtoberfest, that was Nick. So Nick came up. I didn't see him since PB3. He shows up. I give him a hug, and I'm all drunk. I'm like, Stan Shooty. And he's like, Yeah, I don't have an N or anything like that in my name. It's stays Schultzy. And I was like, Oh yeah, my bad. And you and your brother came and you guys took half a pig and you, you roasted it, you, you smoked it in a China box.
2: Yeah, so it was actually a whole pig. It was uh the See I was drunk. Uh, so yeah, you were. It was uh the La Caja China. So it's the um the China box. Yeah. Uh,
0: so you had a whole pig in there and you guys, I mean, it was delicious, man.
2: Yeah, it was about a hundred pounder or so. So, you, Was it a Guinea or what kind of hog was the it? The one we had at Octoberfest was a Tamworth. Um, I had done the Guinea actually a couple of weeks prior to that. And the Guinea, um, it, you know, you may or may not know, but it's a kind of a lard hog is, is what it's known as. So it was a little too fatty we peeled a ton of fat off of it and were kind of disappointed in the the yield of the meat we got but the tamworth worked out really well
0: so if you're going to if you're going to smoke i mean cuz the weird thing with with a china box i mean it's not a suckling pig but it's pretty damn close to it i mean there's it's a, it's it's still a hog roast in a sense you're doing
2: a full one out of cuz how many breeds of pigs have you raised uh, just the three. So I started with the Guineas, um, thinking they were, you know, the perfect homestead pig, um, because of size and being able to forage and just uh, even temperament. Um, realized really quick if I wanted to do it to raise them for profit, that that's not the breed. Um, just but it,
0: the the tricky thing when people say the perfect homestead pig. It, like something I've I've realized from GSD and just hanging out with everybody is that Greg kind of combed the term or he, he kind of like honed in that term farmsteading. And because it's like, look, you're you're a part time farmer. Like I'm not a farmer, more of a homesteader, but I'm just trying to sell surplus. So when somebody's selling you the perfect homestead animal of this or that, they're not a lot of times they're not doing well. You can grow this many x amount. It costs this much feed, and then you can sell the rest, and then you have free meat. It's like this is the lowest cost for you to grow your own food. Right. And and I and that's the guinea hog. I mean, if you talk to Justin Hunt and you talk to him about his inputs, like he, it's it's not m- many inputs. I mean, he he got he got a lot of money's worth out of his meat when we butchered his guinea hog, and I think that it's it's um it's interesting, man, because when you actually get in the nitty gritty. Like all of us are guys that research the, the hell out of everything that we decided to do when we got into this. I know rich does. Like if we got rich talking about comfrey, we could do a whole podcast with rich about comfrey or, you know what I mean? Or, yeah. or, or anything. If, if I talk to you about something you've really researched, you're like, Oh, okay, well how long do I have to talk about my experiences in farming? Cause you research a lot. I remember even in the group thread when we were our private messaging, about trucks i remember it was like wow i had no idea all these guys know so much about trucks in the in the ohio gsd crew like somebody i think Justin was looking for a truck and you guys are recommending this and i do my simple yeah man if it's it's just something else to go wrong yeah and you guys are like well no we use it for this this and that this is why you would want to do this and this is why you want to do that i was like oh yeah it's that doesn't apply to me and it, and and so it's it's fascinating because there there's this wealth of knowledge in our crew which is which is great about it. Um but I I think too people get real experience. Like you've gotten real experience. I mean Well, that's the thing
2: about trucks, like Well, I was talking about the the guinea hogs But hawks just too. in general. Yeah, yeah I mean Well, so I you know, I raised them out for a year and I, I did kind of change what I wanted we to do. We talk with about them. trucks too, don't worry. All right. So I I mean I did kind of learn somewhere along the way that I I thought I wanted to start selling stuff for, you know, as a a farm, legitimate farm business. Um, So I kind of shifted my priorities. You have a legitimate farm business,
0: but it's not a full-time gig.
2: Yeah, yeah, to be fair. That's true. Yeah, like, it's
0: weird when you... Yeah, I don't want to minimize. When you're doing a business part-time, like, even, like, when somebody would ask me what I do, I would tell them, oh, I work at Time Warner. But now, it's a lot more fun to say, like, oh, yeah, I'm an urban farmer, like, even though I'm not bring it in a ton of money but that's my source of income now you know sure. what i mean so it's yeah, yeah. don't discredit what you do running 40 hogs is a lot of work man
2: for sure it certainly is which is why i kind of need to scale back i've just i've got too many projects going on we were talking about earlier i start a lot of projects and and see a shiny object and then kind of go the other way <laughs> so i just need to hone in and focus on some things
0: but anyways, continue. So you you started with the hogs. So you were you're about to go into that like the different hogs you Well,
2: yeah, and then so I was looking for I still want to stay in the heritage um breed area. I I kind of I want to bring back heritage breeds in in America and it, you know, it's um had a strong rebirth, but um just the the pink pig with the the white nasty meat that you see in the grocery is not something I was interested in. And I wanted something that was a quality product and, um, you know, something I could be proud of. So that's why I wanted to go with heritage breeds. But, um, you know, as far as output and, um, efficiency of feed conversion and everything that the Guinea just wasn't going to do it commercially. So I, I shifted to uh, Tamworth. Um, I'm still raising Tamworth, uh, really happy with them and, um, played around with Berkshire a little bit. Um, but, Again, these breeds, it's not just all breed specific. It's its a lot about genetics. So, it's about what you, you know, what you buy from your producer. Um, I think the Berkshires that I got, is I'm not real happy with that line. Um, but I, th- I know a lot of people are, so.
0: Yeah, have you, like, have you farrowed
2: or anything like that? Yeah, so that's why, you know, it turned into 40, basically, so. I usually, when I dive into something, I kind of dive in full steam ahead, and I, you know, everybody you talk to says raise market pigs the first year, um, you know, buy them from a producer, raise them for six months, and then take them in, see if it's for you. Why would I listen to, you know, good advice? So, no, the first winter I farrowed, um, I've been farrowing for the last three years now, um. It's uh, it's diff. It's it's a lot of work, uh, especially during the winters in Ohio. Um, chipping ice and you know just keeping everybody alive and fed and uh, bedded down. So, um, a lot of work. Um, you gotta, you gotta want to do it. Um, and like I said, so it's just spreading, spreading too thin. So. I definitely in the future want to continue to do this. Um, it's just right now I just need to back down a little bit um, and know where where my strengths are. I mean, it's mainly just you. Yeah, it's just me out and there. And how many livestock
0: farm. animals do you have?
2: Well, I don't know. I guess so, forty and nineteen, sixty and fifty-five ducks, a <laughs> couple chickens. I don't know. You know, it's. I I mean, guess I'm clo- responsible for the lives of 300, over 300. Yeah, close to 300 animals. <laughs>
0: well, I, I don't know if you're uh, close to 200. Yeah, a hundred, a little over a hundred. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but yeah, so it's uh there's a lot going on.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, so ideally, so now, so now you figured out your space. So what, what is the healthy downsize for you? Like, what are, what are the numbers you want? What animals do you want to keep? What animals yeah. do you want to get rid of? Well, all
2: that said, I'm stre- – you know, I got into this um, through permaculture, and right now, frankly, I'm way overstressing the land. It's that's just – I'm way overstocked. So that's one other reason why I want to change, because I'm just not happy with, um, you know, the way I'm raising them, really. It's just uh, too much for that, that property. So, you know, I cut down to – maybe half a dozen hogs or something run them. And um, the sheep I'm fine with running, you know, somewhere around 10 is a as a happy number. So I can sell some off each year. And uh, the ducks really, they just do, they just run the property free. So
0: you're pretty, you're ducks, I remember you were saying the other day, like you're, you're really happy with ducks. Like you, you would get rid of your chickens to just keep ducks.
2: Yeah. I got, um, you know, I guess chickens have their place, just not my place. Um, <laughs> that said, I got a couple of them right now, hens and stuff. But, yeah, I love ducks. They're easy keepers. Uh, they just kind of mind their own business. So they don't get into a lot of trouble as long as you just have the right fence for them, which is really easy. So, yeah, I, I love ducks.
0: Yeah.
1: See, hey, I'm a chicken guy.
0: Yeah, Rich is a chicken and rabbit guy.
2: I, I definitely like
1: chickens. I, I like that if you've got the right breed you've got eggs pretty much all year round um i like that they deal with a lot of your especially in an urban environment they deal with a lot of your kitchen scraps and and garden scraps and such um and i you know i've heard people say there's either duck people or chicken people and i think i'm a chicken person i like that they're these little dinosaurs that'll you know rip a
0: mouse apart
1: um i feed them what's your
0: thought on vegetarian eggs rich (laughs) You want to talk about animal abuse? Is that is that what vegetarian fed
1: eggs are? Is that animal abuse? Well, I don't know. What's the natural diet for a chicken? You tell me. Well, they're an omnivore. So I guess if you were to feed them a vegetarian diet, that
0: wouldn't be too, dare I say, kosher. So are humans uh, that feed their children vegetarian diets? (laughs) Are they
2: they child abusers?
1: (laughs) And the next topic. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't say that, but I set,
0: I set you up for that one. Yeah,
1: no, but it's it's uh, the child at least can make a decision once they're old enough. And yes. they're not gonna but they're gonna make it through their childhood, you know, it's not like they're gonna die. So but a chicken has no choice. You know, you're locking it a room and, and keeping it away from if it's vegetarian, it, it doesn't go outside ever. Because if it goes outside it's gonna find bugs. So yeah. you're keeping it confined. You're probably feeding it, you know, uh, corn and soy feed. Yeah, that's that's most certainly genetically modified, full of probably glyphosate. Um, and it's usually they're raised in just horrible conditions.
0: Yeah, I, I think most chickens are, and I think that it's also, um, it's 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 an interesting thing because something Nick was saying earlier. You know, you you get into these. It's like the the contrarian to well everybody's saying do pink pigs do cornish cross for meat birds and stuff like that so i feel like a lot of people want to i know greg went away from it immediately but you know even pink pigs if you take feeder hogs and you put them in a pig's environment they turn into a different pig like they look different like i know um what are aren't, aren't berkshire the same breed or what is the main breed of feeder hogs
2: um, yeah. What is it? Uh, Chester White's, um, Hampshire. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to.
0: Because it, it technically is a heritage breed. That's just kind of been abused, And now it's more of a conventional breed.
2: Well, right. I mean, it, and just like
0: the Cornish cross. I mean, the Cornish cross, like they feather out. I mean, it, it depends on how they're raised. It depends on it does be t- depend on your breeder, just like what you were saying with, with your Berkshires.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just been bred for over generations for certain traits that the the market was looking for. Um, and, you know, I with the current food movement and kind of a rebirth and being interested in our food, I think the market is demanding something different. And, um, you know, we're realizing that there's actually some nutritive differences in the quality of the meats and stuff. So, yeah.
0: So. so with your farm, you're looking to downsize to different animals. You want to get your land. So it's, it's not being stressed. Um, you know, so w- how do you plan on still kind of doing some small scale, you know, selling direct to consumer with your animals Still,
2: yeah, I mean, I'll continue to do that basically to pay for um, what I'm raising for myself, and um, I, I do really want to grow my green thumb though, like I talked about. Uh, I just feel that there's so much there that I need to learn yet, um, and <laughs> I'll be learning for the rest of my life, obviously. But, um, you had referenced earlier, I do, I did pick up a property in, in middle Tennessee, um, 2014, I closed on that property, and the idea eventually is to make that my, my farmstead. It's a 75-acre property down there. Um,
0: you, do, you do go back and forth, though, and whether you want it to be a bug out or a farmstead.
2: <laughs> no, I don't want to leave anybody with the impression, because I started off saying I was like an extreme white right-wing guy and, and talking about my guns and, and my prepping. But yeah, I've kind of had pretty big um, paradigm shifts since then, so I'm like a full-blown at this point. I don't, I don't know if... You're Anna, not a fundamentalist. No, because it's, I, it wasn't fun anymore. So. Yeah, it stops being
0: fun to <laughs> to to say you're an anarchist when Antifa is become the new face of anarchism.
2: Yeah, but I'm I, I'm definitely closer to an anarchist than you know what a traditional conservative republican was but um i don't know how did we get down this road um
0: i just think well because ron paul tied you into everything originally
2: yeah 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 but
0: so but i mean so so with market streams um you know so what are your plans with the property in tennessee so i just joked and i said you you said it was going to be a bug out and but you really are thinking you want to relocate there
2: right so what i really want to do is a um I mean Mark Shepherd was really uh the inspiration for buying that property what I saw him do with his property. Um just a multi-species, um, really diverse uh we won't use the word orchard but uh food forest. Uh, not even a food forest, but a um a civil pastoral kind of setup with where I'm running um pigs again um and and sheep and some goats probably running them through there um feeding them uh, we we're talking about before persimmons and and chestnut trees and um basically the idea i've been kind of um looking for the last three four years studying key line design and um basically doing that whole property that way so that's the plan down there um I actually had originally thought I'd be there by now but you know life happens and um I'm in Ohio now so
0: <laughs> I think you belong in Ohio personally but I think you'll <laughs> make whatever work. Yeah. Um Yeah, I I think it's interesting, man. I I think uh I I don't know. I I think it's 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 cool to always talk to you because you you put your money where your mouth is and you have different experiences and really made it go out of the the part-time farmer and like, can I transition? And then I remember before I got laid off, you and I were talking about it and I was just like, dude, I, I don't, we were, we were both like, well, I mean, this one guy just said, yeah, you just have to go all in and do it. And then we were like, but is it really worth doing that? Like how much money could we really make compared to what we're making now? Right. And I think it, I th- I just think it's kind of dangerous. Like I, I know a lot of people get unhappy And then they make crazy decisions and you know, sometimes it works or sometimes you're just forced to be in a situation where you feel like you have to make it work to justify the decision you made. And I think it's, um, it's interesting, man. I think that, you know, I always just like to say, you know, get in where you fit in. And I think, and I, and I think that's what a lot of us are doing. I think, you know, for me and, and rich, you know, Rich was kind of forced into this situation. Um, via family we, we were talking about that at dinner and it's like you know sometimes family really teaches you what's actually important right
1: exactly i i was able to come to the realization that it doesn't have to be about money right so much so much of my life has been spent chasing shiny things and um i realized that you know really what is that you know what 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 what's important is really relationships uh it's the community you build around you that that's what makes someone truly wealthy uh, having having cash and it's it's cash easy for me cash is a tool
0: like it's it like cash is good to have you
1: need to have it in this world there's no way around it but it doesn't have to be what it's all about if i have enough to live that's all the cash i need i'd i'd rather have all of my other transactions done with barter and just trading and giving things and uh, you don't need as much cash as people think they need if they're willing to make a lifestyle change. But if you wanna live in this, this consumer society, that's gonna be hard. You know,
2: then then you're gonna have to struggle a little. Well, you can you can opt out, kind of. I mean, we're still living within society, but we kind of yeah. opt out in our own way. True, sure, we got our own. Yeah, I I community. I think that's
0: I think that's why we all get along. Like you know, like I I got this house not through a bank. I got, uh, you know, I tr- I try to do things as unconventional as possible and blaze my own trail. And I think that's like, with me in farming, I think that's been like one of my big hiccups or one of my big holdups is. You know I could try to do exactly what Curtis does or Jam does, but if I really want to be successful, I'm gonna have to blaze my own trail like I'm gonna have to create my own path and take what they've learned and take what they said and then apply it to where we are and I think I have a, a pretty good plan for that i'm not gonna I'm not gonna share it yet, but um you know I think it's 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 figuring shit out. I think you know some something that nobody's really doing in small scale farming right now is a ton of sales via uh, the internet. Like how many people do you hear like talk about like, I mean, you hear about aggregators doing it, but you don't hear about farmers doing it or farmers like, and I, and I just think that anything in today's economy, like you have to do what's convenient. Like you have to create convenience. You have to fill the void of convenience. You have to make it convenient for people to to get their local food. I mean, there's, if, if, if you're on a small scale, It's easy. It's not easy, but it's, it's, um, you know, Greg and I talk all the time about why scalability is a bitch with, with livestock, right? Like, and Nick, you could probably attest to it. Like scalability is a bitch, like scaling up and having to manage sales, doing it all on your own. Like, there's no way I would fucking do it. Nick, Nick's done. I mean, there's no way I would be like, dude, this has to be, there has to be an easier way to this or, you know what I mean? Like I, I have a, yard of farming and it's like yeah i I don't want to do this by myself like that just doesn't (laughs) sound fun and thankfully rich was like hey man and it just kind of worked out but it's it's just like i think that it's like the it takes a lot of courage i think it, it takes a lot of just um it takes a lot of not giving a fuck. you know what i mean it takes a lot of just putting yourself out there and And, and, and just saying like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to do this because I want to learn it and I want to make some money with it too, but I mainly want to learn it. Like, like we, I think you said something that was best. I want to create my own university.
2: Right. Right. I mean, that that was my goal and I've met that goal. I'm definitely not, you know, all the way there. I still have a lot of learning to do, but that was the original reason why I, I, I rented that property out there and I've learned a lot of things. So, uh, in that respect, I feel fulfilled, uh,
0: so what's your what's your time frame on getting down uh, to middle tennessee?
2: <laughs> well, I hope to part it, it's it's raw land down there. So I hope to start putting up infrastructure this winter as far as a building and kind of a a base of operations. And then uh, I need to get a well a well dug and um some photovoltaics put up and then so hopefully over the next winter is kind of what I'm looking at timeline wise and then getting some of these trees in the ground. Um how
0: many trees are you sitting on right now?
2: Not much. I you only have like a hundred trees seedlings sitting at home right now. But um, that's kind of my project this summer is to start getting some stuff growing. Um, even though it's not ideal, I still want just you know the best time to plant it's, a tree was yesterday. I right? think
0: also it's just like I just want to get started. Yep. Like it's yeah. you know what my it, yeah it might not be the perfect time, but at least I'm I'm getting started in that way. Because I think you and I are a lot alike. That it's like well I started it, so I guess I got to do it now
2: yeah so I've got some berry um plants and things like that that I want to get going strong by the end of this summer and then hopefully I can divide them uh, next uh next year and kind of start propagating and just build my own um, nursery for my to to stock my own property down there again, it's not ideal. I'd like to plant them in place, but it's the circumstance. And then I, I definitely I want to plant some stuff and get it growing down there as well. Even though that the deers will decimate a lot of it, you know, it's like Mark Shepard's stun thing. So you know, what makes it was meant to make it, I guess.
0: That's good, man. So what's your timeline on wanting to get down there?
2: Yeah, I'll be. Um, as far like as permanently, down there. Yeah. yeah, man. It, that that's probably a five year plan, honestly. At this point, um,
0: still plan
2: plan it's a plan yep.
0: Yep. so if uh people wanted to book you to come and roast a hog for a china box or in uh, your china box or uh they just they want to buy duck eggs or something like that from you what's a good way for them to get a hold of you
2: yeah the best way is facebook uh Nick and
0: um deck <laughs> Is not stay schulte
2: yeah that's okay man y- you're getting better
0: <laughs> i think so it's, it's like a
2: hard. The ch is like a hard k. So it's Stechshulty. Yeah, Stechshulty. Yeah, yeah. But you just ty- start typing S T E C H, and it'll. I'm sure it'll. So
0: Stechshulty. So the ch has two different sounds.
2: Ch. Yeah. Steck, and, and then there's another S C H. Is there that's really? The yeah. There's five consonants in a row, so it, it looks like it's wrong, but it's right. <laughs>
0: So I must have been spelling your name wrong the whole time. Possibly. Or I don't just know. not really reading it. Yeah. It's fascinating. So Nick Stex Schulte.
2: Yeah. To set me up on Facebook. Um, That's unfortunately, I've gotten into the habit of checking it every 15 minutes. So uh, I'm usually on there.
0: That's great, man. Well, I'm looking forward to having more episodes here for everyone soon. Uh, Nick, thanks for coming down and, you bet it was a good time. And and instigating Taco Tuesday once again. Rich, thanks for joining us again, man. We're going to be doing Failing Forwards. We'll already we'll probably maybe already have two episodes out by the time this comes out because I'm super packed up on episodes I got to put out. But this will probably hit Patreon before um the main feed. Yeah, so, it was,
1: it was really great to see Nick again. Yeah. And uh you know catch up a little bit and find out what's going on and
0: yeah, so all excited you parted yeah, to be yeah. here live with Ohio GSD you now. The Ohio GSD crew rich. Yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting everyone. Yeah, yeah
2: welcome. Welcome to Ohio. Oh, thank you,
0: man. Yeah, yeah, man. So what you have it you know, it's interesting, Nick, and, and something I want to touch on before we leave is like I feel like there's two different groups in Ohio GSD. There's the homesteaders that just like fucking did a bunch of bullshit that they had to do on their own. And then there's like the, the other ones that are like have the Ohio GSD crew and can take advantage of it. And there's a lot of people that just come in and give. Like, you know, you, Shane, Sean Brown. Uh, you know, you guys have never had an event. You could definitely have used us to help you build fence. I think I told you like five times to create a group for us to come and build fence. <laughs>
2: well, we're kind of burnt out on fencing, I think. that's my. I don't fear, think so. It was easy, man. Yeah. It was
0: like the the second week was a lot easier than the first week. And I didn't
2: even get to either one of those, so I kind of feel bad about it, you know. But, uh, yeah, I I try to get out when I can. I don't get out to a lot of them, but, um, you know, there's a lot of different people and different skills and things, so it's cool to see.
0: For sure. Well, hey, guys, thanks again for tuning in and looking forward to bringing you another episode soon.